Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Bethany. I'm going to go ahead and stand up as we start worship this morning. I'm going to read out of Psalms. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. So if you have any uh, questions this morning, if you have any cries that you need to talk to God about today, just know that he is here with you, that his ears are open, that his eyes are looking for it. Father, we lift you up and we bless your name, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we are here to worship you and give you the praise in Jesus' Amen. name. I've had good days, I've had bad days, tasted victory and defeat. I've had problems, biggest planets, turn to pebbles when you speak. I've had nothing to my name, never lacked for anything, cause you were there with me. You've been my savior, sustainer, and I'm in my hand, my healer, Again. My mother and my father, brother, sister, and friend. Everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. Everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. When I stand before you, guilty, or your mercy bears my blame. When in pride I think I'm worthy, point out the price you paid. When I wander far away, you keep calling out my name. You don't give up on me. You've been my savior, sustainer when I'm in my head. My healer, redeemer again and again. My mother and my father, brother, sister and friend. My healer, redeemer, again. 
dear My mother and my father, brother, sister and friend Everything I needed, Lord, you've always been You've been my savior, sustainer when I'm in my head My healer, redeemer again and again My mother and my father, brother, sister and friend Everything I needed, Lord, you've always been You've been my savior, sustainer when I'm in my ear My healer, redeemer again and again My mother and my father, brother, sister and friend Everything I needed, Lord, you've always been Everything I needed, Lord, you've always been
hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Change my boat, risen and shake at the sound of Jesus' name. There is none beside 
praise, church. Just speak his praise. Hallelujah, God. Lord, we worship you. You are our foundation, God. Lord, everything we live for is for you. Praise you, God. You're the beginning and the end. You're the Alpha and the Omega. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again the third day. The one day I might be able to live with you forever. Thank you for taking stripes upon your back for my healing. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, God. that church so I won't be shaken I won't be moved my God is faithful his promise is true so I speak to the mountains oh it's time to is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. Yes, you is. My enemies scatter because they know the battle is done. My God is stronger. The victory's already won. Yeah, he died for my ransom rose up on the third day my God is greater than death hell and the grave my enemies my enemies scatter cause they know the battle is The victory's already won. Yeah, he died for my ransom and rose up on the third day. Oh, my God is greater than death. is faithful 
There's no valley too low, there's no fear that I have He doesn't already know There's no problem too big, there's no weapon too strong There is nothing for God that's impossible There's no mountain too high, no valley too low There's no fear that I have, He doesn't already know There's no problem too big there's no weapon too strong There is nothing for God That's impossible I won't be shaken I won't be moved Cause my God is faithful His promise is true Church, bigger, better, stronger, greater, bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. So I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be moved. Cause my God is is true so I speak to the mountains oh it's time to move my God is bigger better stronger greater than you yes he So I speak to the mountains, oh, it's time to move, cause my God is big, better, stronger, my God is, my God is big, better, my God, my God is, my God is big, better, stronger, greater than you. Praise you, Jesus. You're here. Thank you, God. 
With the grace of the Savior, with the heart of the Father, you're all we need. You're here with the hands of the healer, with the power of your spirit, you're all we need. Let's sing that again. of the Savior, with the heart of the Father, you're all we need. You're here with the hands of the healer, with the power of your Spirit, you're all we need. The mention of your name, every chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just the whisper of your name will silence wind and waves at the mention of your name. You're here, you're the provider, all I've ever needed, Jesus you supply. You're here with wonder-working power, everything you breathe on, coming back to life. the mention of your name every chain will break I know everything will change Jesus just the whisper of your name will silence wind and waves at the mention of your name You never fail You are my hope You will deliver Emmanuel You are my strength You are my anchor And you never fail You are my hope You will deliver Silence, wind, and waves at the mention of your name. You are my strength, you are my anchor, and 
chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just the whisper of your name will silence wind and waves at the mention of your name. Man, I feel the sweet presence of the Lord in here. I was reading the 100th Psalm. And the Bible says you come before his presence with singing. Now, you know, I'm not much of a singer. <laughs> but singing, somehow, it just releases God's presence. He inhabits the praises of his people. So let's just take a moment right there and just say something to the Lord. Just sing his name. Just say, Jesus, you're so wonderful. We love you. At the mention of that name, there's something sweet and wonderful. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence, man, that's uplifting and encouraging. And you say, where well, there's two or three. That's where you are. So we thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can serve the Lord with gladness. That's why I sing. Because I'm grateful for what you've done for me, Jesus. I'm grateful for your, for your work and your life. I'm grateful for the Spirit of the Lord. In this house, amen and amen and amen. Jesus, we honor your presence. We're grateful for your presence. How we all just sense the presence of the Lord? And his sweetness is aroma. Amen, amen. Hey, it's great to have you out this morning. Turn around and say hello to someone. Welcome back to the house of God. Good to have you on a summer's morning. Summer's coming to an end, friends. You better say hello now. morning Bethany so glad you could make it out today do you like free stuff is it your first time here grab a connection card from the chair in front of you fill it out and take it to guest central for free stuff hope to connect with you soon hi Bethany family just a reminder that our offering boxes are located at the back of the church or you can give online at bethanybillings.com luke 21 4 for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Remember, you can't outgive God. It turns out, August 28th, that's the Back to School Sunday Fun Day. You want to know what my favorite part of that is? I ain't got to go to school no more. So we're going to have some food truck food. We're going to have some ice cream, dessert. Looking at a rock climbing wall some axe throwing. This will be lots of fun. Alright, August 28th. Also, bring them non-perishables. Bring the non-perishable snacks. We're doing the Canyon Creek Snack Drive. Bring it over, August 28th. Starting on Tuesday, August 30th, we're going to be holding a three-day church-wide fast. 
This is a time where we, as the body of believers, come together for the common purpose of seeking God's hand to intervene in our nation, our church, and our lives. We will be meeting each day at 6.30 p.m. in the church to join our hearts and prayers into a single voice knocking on the doors of heaven. We want to extend an invitation for you to join us during this special time. If there's one thing America needs most, it's a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost. Starting on September 9th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night at 6.30 p.m., we are pleased to host our friend, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., for some revival nights. Ted has a powerful ministry, and he's full of faith. You'll be encouraged and refreshed in these meetings, so please make plans to join us. Hey, Bethany family. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus charging his disciples says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. If you have been just saved or are seeking to grow your faith, we encourage you to join in our growth track classes. Kicking off each Sunday, September 18th to October 9th at 9 a.m. in Classroom 101, we will be teaching on topics of salvation, the cross, knowing the Holy Spirit, and much more. Please sign up at the information desk and be part of becoming a disciple of Christ. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. I want to just remind everyone next week we're having back to school. So it'll be fun. Invite someone out to church, man. It's going to be a blast. we got free food for you, axe throwing. People will be back from summer, hopefully. <laughs> Acts chapter 11 this morning, and uh, I'm in a series studying the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're calling it the Dove Awards. We said last week that the dove is a relational bird, and he helps walk you through relationships. And this morning, what I want to highlight is the prophetic aspect of the dove. He is a prophetic bird. You know, Jesus' words in John 16, 13 are true, that he will show you things to come. Now, I found a passage of Scripture that I had not preached from before, and I love when I find passages of Scripture I haven't touched. So I'm in Acts chapter 11. I want to start in verse 27. I want to read down to verse 30 and then pray. Here's what the Scripture says that in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the word of the Lord. And I pray for your presence to be here with us. Give us understanding. Give us hunger. Give us a fire, a fervor, a sense of discernment. And Lord, I just thank you for hope in the hearts and the minds of people today. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You know, I had the strangest thing happen this last week. Uh, I had this dream on uh, Thursday morning. I dreamed that we had a fourth baby coming, my wife and I. And boy... It felt so real. No, 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 listen, listen, don't, don't clap. Don't clap at that. You can clap later. I, I was like, uh, I was like, man, you never had that in a dream? It just feels so real. And I, it was a little boy coming. I was like, good, I want more boys in this home, you know? And I, but I was trying to figure out where are we going to put this baby at? I don't have no room. 
So, you know, I woke up and I was thinking about that. And then I realized Elizabeth has had a hysterectomy. So that, and you know, when you're in a moment like that alone with the Lord, like early in the morning, I just sensed that the Lord had been speaking to me about, like Abraham had a child to promise, something he'd put in a destiny for my life and, and for the ministry. And so I, I got kind of excited thinking about that. God had something he wanted to birth. Now, I told my wife when, when she got, I said, Elizabeth, I had a dream that we had a baby boy come. She said, really? You know, that's funny because I had the same dream two weeks before that. She said, I dreamed we had a baby, didn't know where to make room for him, but he was coming. I was excited. And I asked the Lord, I said, if that's from you, I want you to confirm it to my husband. (laughs) So I felt like that was personal to me and a bit prophetic about what God has for his will and his purpose in my life and the destiny and the ministry he's called us to. I mean, it got me stirred up. And when you're the preacher, it's the funniest thing because like what God puts on your heart is kind of the things that come out in your messages. So What I want to highlight for us this morning are just principles of the prophetic. I'm telling you that not only is the Holy Spirit a relational bird, the Holy Spirit is a prophetic bird. He will show you things to come. Why preach on things like prophecy? Because there's a bit of vagueness to it. Sometimes people get scared about it. They say it's taboo, and they're not fully sure about these things. But I'm telling you that God has chosen to reveal himself through prophecy. And I know that because I read the Old Testament. And one of the greatest evidences I can see for the existence of God is the fact that we have the books like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Hosea. And what they are is prophetic books that point us to what God wanted to do in the nation of Israel. I mean, the fact that Israel is alive and restored as a nation today is incredible. When I ask atheists how they can explain away Israel, they have no answers for that. But thousands of years ago, God prophesied through men about his plan and his purposes in the earth, and it's recorded in the Bible. And so this is the way that God has chosen to reveal himself, and the Holy Spirit hadn't changed. He is prophetic in the things that he does. So I want to just highlight principles of prophetic ministry. You know, I'm, I'm, we're spirit-filled, we're you know, charismatics, I've been around this long enough I remember when people would operate in gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, they wouldn't use the word prophetic. They'd just say they're operating in a gift, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Now it's like that word prophetic is sort of a catch-all phrase for, for that taking place. It's, it's, it's something that happens when God speaks through people, and I believe it's for today. And it's recorded in the book of Acts. Now, Acts 11, verse 27, in these days, th- these are the days uh, when the gospel message started spreading outside of Jerusalem. And going to the nations of the world, it says prophets, someone say prophets, plural with an S, came from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there would be a great famine coming throughout all the world. The first thing I would just like to highlight about uh, a principle in prophetic ministry is that in order for the prophetic to properly operate, there needs to be a plurality. A plurality is necessary. And the text is, you know, quite clear to me because he puts an S on the word prophets and he takes it further and says one of them, a guy named Agabus came forward. And what you tend to see in scripture is the word prophets, plural in nature. This is backed up in chapter 13 and verse one when Paul and Barnabas and a bunch of them separated themselves and were praying And the Holy Spirit said, separate me, these men, to the work that I've called them to do. You read about prophets in plural in Acts chapter 15, verse 
32, when they were sent out to do things. So here's one of them whose name was Agabus. Agabus only shows up twice. Here in Acts chapter 11, and then also in Acts chapter 21. In Acts 21, he's actually there with Paul, and he says that Paul is going to get bound in prison if he goes back to Jerusalem. And he's somehow mentioned you know, in the scriptures there. I don't know why he wasn't mentioned in Jerusalem. It's one of those things that's very intriguing to me. Maybe his gift had grown in this place. But here he's at a spot where he's giving a message, a prophetic word, not just to Paul in Acts 21, but here in Acts 11, about a famine which would come upon the world. You know, I am not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. I do believe in fivefold ministry offices. That's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I am in the pastoral teaching thing. I can't help it. It's just what I do well. You know, I'm, I'm organized in my train of thought. I love to take scriptures, break them down into bite-sized pieces for people to use. And I can't help that. It's just what happens. It's how God talks to me. And, and, and I love people. I love feeding and leading and loving on people. And that's pastoral ministry. Now, I had my friend Chris Michelson in a few weeks ago. I mean, I remember Chris. That dude is a straight evangelist. And he can't help himself. He gets up and he just starts getting people saved. And I mean, evangelists are going to evangelize. That's what they do. He goes across the world. He's seeing fruitful harvest. That's the ministry God has called him to. So I have been around men who are in what I would consider to be a prophetic office. They, they have the ability to speak into situations what the Lord is saying. And, and I've seen ones that I think are real, deeper not cheaper ones. I've been around some cheaper ones. But I, I feel like, man, I've, I've seen some guys with tremendous gifts, and they see things. I think prophets primarily speak to the church, but on occasion, they might have a word for the world that's released here. So, you know, I, I don't discount these things. I just think it's the natural grace that God gives to people. And sometimes, you know, you got to make room for that, allow it to operate. I think in churches, sometimes we try to get a wide variety of people because you may want to, you know, build up something where you might be lacking. If I'm heavy on the teaching side, we might want to get a prophet or an evangelist to come in. Now, it's, here it says that there's prophets that came. Now, plurality is New Testament leadership. Whenever there's a plurality, I say this in our classes about you know, visiting the church, that the difference between a cult and a church is that word plurality. Because <laughs> what plurality does is it helps keep you safe. People are looking for safety, you know that? And I had a woman here, she said, man, I, I like the balance that's in your church. There's a great balance between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And I, I try to provide that. I feel like if there's one area of room for growth for me, I mean, I'm even stretching myself to be more open to what the Lord is saying, the more Holy Spirit. But there, there's something about balance that is a safety net for people. And when you talk about plurality and safety, what you're talking about is accountability. You're talking, like, you know what accountability does is it, it provides like uh, quality control so that things don't get off base or out of kilter, so that there's a place of safety, so that you, you can, you know, kind of talk with people and understand what the Lord is saying. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 29, it tells us if someone prophesies that there needs to be at least two or three to, to be there to test it, measure it, back it up. That is accountability. That helps us understand what the Lord is saying in a situation. When you talk about plurality, you're talking about a consensus of things. Because nobody has the corner on the Holy Spirit. Nobody 
fully comprehends the whole mind of God or the full counsel of God. That's why the scripture says that we collectively as the body of Christ, we have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. There's a plurality and a consensus. And what that helps is shape the word and the will of God and the direction that he's leading his people in. And there's something about that that is wonderful. It's plurality. It's safe. It's accountable. It's the consensus. You know what else it is? Is it's relational. Man, I have discovered this, that when you get to know people, when you really get to understand them and hear their heart, it becomes a lot easier to speak into their life, maybe something that God is saying. And I learned this, you know, from my friend Ted Shuttlesworth. I'm looking forward to having him back. He is a revivalist. But he told me, he quoted 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, and he said that you should know those that labor among you. There's something about having that connection or that relationship with somebody that allows you to speak into their life, allows you to walk with someone. And it's really that place of safety. It's a place that can be of great blessing to people. So when we talk about plurality, you're talking about the whole you know, part of it, the safe part of it, the relational part of it. It's a, it's a part where you're accountable. It's, it, it's really the way New Testament churches and leadership should operate. And that's where decently and in order is in effect, when there is good leadership and there's plurality in place. So when we talk about these things, the first principle I'd highlight about a prophetic ministry operating in some way when God speaks into your life, it has to do with plurality. Now let me give you a second thought here in verse 20, and I'm in the same verse. One of them, this man named Agabus, says he stood up and he showed by the Spirit. He demonstrated it. He foretold. He prophesied. That's what it's indicating. In Acts 21, when he did that, he bound the apostle Paul's hands with a belt. I don't know how he did it here. It just says that he showed them that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which the scripture says also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now, the, the thing that I'd like to highlight in, in this sense of it is that a prophetic word will bring protection into your life. You know, I've discovered about God is that he's interested in saving people. That is his heart. He wants to save people. And a famine was in the land in the days of, of Joseph in Genesis. And I love what Joseph said in Genesis 45, that God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. It's, it's as if God, you know, was, was, was working a way to protect his people. Uh, it's as if God sent a warning to his people. It's so interesting to me, you know, that it mentions it happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. It was historically verified. I looked this up, that when Caesar became uh, Caesar in charge, when Claudius Caesar became the Caesar in the early 40s AD, 45, 44 AD, that famine was a real thing, and it started spreading throughout the world, particularly in that region. And and what was happening in in the church was that people started getting sent out. It was a warning to his people. And and he's warning them. You know, that is God's modus of operandi. Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. that says, the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Now, I do remember some time ago, back in 2016, I started hearing rumblings that there was this man named Donald Trump who was going to run for president. And, and that some people were prophesying he was going to be the president. I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> There's no way. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But God did it. I mean, he, and he used him for his purposes. I mean, it's, it get God, and God spoke that. He, he revealed that through people. 
Let me, let me tell you about protection in your life. Protection comes sometimes in the form of information. Yeah, we live in the information age, and people want to know what the future holds. I mean, like we got whole algorithms on the internet designed to predicting what's going to happen and when war games and they're trying to always figure stuff out. I mean, everybody wants to know what the future holds, what will take place in the future. I'm telling you, the only one who knows that is God. This is how he demonstrates his sovereignty because he's written down what the future holds in his book and he's given us the Holy Spirit who will show us things to come. He's the only one. He knows the future better than you know the past. Do you know that? He wrote that and he can demonstrate and show you what will come and give you information so you know what's going to take place. Information is like you know, one of the ways that God brings protection. The information is there so you can have preparation. He will bring protection into your life by helping you be prepared, helping you know what's going to take place. You know, it's interesting to me that he's warning them about a famine coming. And these guys, they were getting prepared. I read a verse in Acts chapter 4, and it says, you know, in Acts 4.35, that they used to take what they had, and they sold all their lands and possessions and came and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm telling you, I would sit in church, and I would be scared spitless, because I was like, man, that means i got to empty out my bank account, <laughs> cash out my retirement. I'm going to have to sell everything. Is that what that verse is saying? But that's really not what it's talking about. There was a prophet named Jesus in Matthew 24, and he predicted that not one stone was going to be left on that temple. And he was letting his people know 30 years in advance that one day this temple was going to be destroyed. And so they knew that. They had information, and they began to make preparation. These guys were already being prepared to be scattered throughout the world because in, in one generation, 35 years after Jesus said that, the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. Everyone was getting ready. They, they had they had information, so they got prepared. It's like they got warned about something. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a funny thing. Preparation is a protective thing. It's sort of like, you know, when you go camp with my wife, and, and she knows we got all these children, and so she brings an overabundance of things, like Band-Aids, for children who fall and slip. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, I'm grateful that Elizabeth is very prepared on camping trips. She's got multiple pairs of clothes. We got lots of towels, anything you could think of. Because that preparation is a protective thing. That's what the Holy Spirit was doing. You know, when God warns you about something, maybe it's a relationship, sometimes he does those things in an effort to protect you. And I've watched when people misinterpret that. And a lot of times it's, it's God's protective hand in a situation that really keeps you from making mistakes, and, and he's, he's warning you. That's what he's doing to try to help us. Bring his people about a famine that was coming. I love that he's able to try to help us navigate through things. Now, let's read verse 29. It says, Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And this they did and sent it to the elders. Notice elders is the word plural. By the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Here's a third thing I could tell you about uh, prophetic ministry. And it's that... Prophetic words require proactive responses. When you hear something, and if you really feel it's the Lord, it's going to require an act on your part. You're going to have to, if you really believe it, you'll act on it. This is what happened to Noah. He was divinely warned of things not yet seen, 
And so he built an ark for the saving of his home. It took him 120 years. There's a woman in the Bible named Anna, and she prayed and felt like she would be there for the coming of the Lord. It says that she prayed for 84 years. I mean, Noah prayed 120 years, Anna prayed 84 years, but they were both very proactive. They went after it, even though I'm sure it took longer than they thought it would. You know, in, in 1 Kings 19, there's a man named Elijah the prophet, and when he was in a place of warfare and worn out, he was up alone in a cave, and a still small voice came to him and said, I want you to anoint Hazel, king of Syria, Jehu, king over Israel, and Elisha to be prophet in your place. And he immediately went out and acted on that because he believed that that was what the Lord is saying. If you've ever felt God speak something to you, if you've ever felt the Lord breathe you with an impression, give, give you a sense of direction, if you really believe that, you got to act on what he said. That's a proactive response. Take a step of faith, a leap of faith. It's no different than when you get advice from somebody. You know, I've told people, hey, go to school, finish up with this, because what will happen is, uh, you know, it could open some jobs for you. Some doors could open, right? And, and I've seen them do that. It's no different. I've had to tell people, hey, I think you need to go to a different mechanic. Hey, I've got a better realtor for you than the one that you're using. It's no different seeing how the Lord will, you know, if they act on that advice, it, it just happens. It's a blessing. It's no different than when it's a prophetic word, except the stakes become higher and your risk reward is greater because God is the one who's saying it. And when he says something and it's really him, if it's really God, he will back it up in an incredible way. Yeah. You got to take a proactive response. You know, it, for you to take a proactive response to what you feel God is saying, it has to really bear witness deep in your heart. It's got to be something that, that you really know. I mean, it, it's like, man, it hits home. It resonates with you. It, it's a burning thing in your heart. That's when you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking, when it bears witness right there. You know, I, I've had people who shared things with me, and, and I got to tell you, I can't remember what they said five minutes later. I'm not really interested in what I call parking lot words like that. They say something, I've forgotten about it. But what I am interested in is when they say something and I remember it year after year after year. Because I, I remember one time I was with Elizabeth and we were at a conference in Bozeman and my friend Landon Scott, who's got an amazing church down in Fort Worth, uh, he was praying for people. I went back to the book table and he, that dude, he ran all the way back to where I was at the book table, got in my face and gave me a word, which I've never forgotten. It hit me in the moment. It, it, it just on the inside of me came alive. I knew God was saying something. That, that, that's what has to bear witness in your heart when you know it's the Lord. He's speaking to you about something. Yeah. Pro proactive means that you are willing to act quickly. You, you, there's like an urgency that comes with it. Like, like when I felt that God was saying that, I'm going to act on it quickly. And one of the misconceptions about when we say the prophetic, is you kind of think of it like someone's prophesying over you, giving you a word, declaring the future. In actuality, so much of prophetic ministry, Scripture says, happens through preaching. It's through the foolishness of preaching. So when you're preaching, there's a little bit of anointing on it or propheticness to it that when it hits you, you start getting stirred up. You start thinking, oh, hey, you know, I, I feel like this is for me. It, it, it's working in me. And, and, and that urgency comes. That's actually how people get saved. They're, they're feeling that sense of, I got to get right with God. You, you sense that there might be sin in your life. And, and what that is, is the Holy Spirit taking words that people say, and it produces this urgency to where you think, I got to get right with the Lord. That's one of the ways that a prophetic gift 
is an operation. It's not always just through foretelling future things. It's through preaching scriptures and it coming alive in your heart. Now, I said here that it's a prophetic, like, like it's a response. A prophetic word requires a proactive response. A response is not a reaction. A response is kind of something that's calculated, deliberate, thoughtful, prayerful. When you are, you know, respond, when you are reacting to something, you feel rushed. You, you, you feel like I'm in a hurry, and, and, and you your time, you can pray, you can determine the pressure that's behind it. But, but when it's a response, that's where you can take your time, you can pray, you can determine and discern what is the Lord saying? What is a proper response on my part? That's what these men did. It says each of them, according to their own ability, determined to send relief. So they were prayerful in what they wanted to do. They were thinking about it, like, how am I going to how are we going to do this? And each person there was so touched by it, they wanted to do it. When you think about you know, proactivity and being, being, you know, responding to something, sometimes you just think about it like, man, you know, I, I want to hurry up and, and do something. But I have found that one of the greatest ways to respond to a word the Lord might be giving it is for you to be in a place of peace and rest where you're not in a hurry. You, you, you just stay in a place where I'm resting and I'm content in the things of God, but I'm not going to get complacent. I can wait on the Lord. I can stay in a place. That's being proactive. You know, waiting on the Lord is a place of expectation. It's not just you checked out. It's, there's a proactivity to something. There's an anticipation I have in my heart for what God has said, and I'm going to wait on him. That is a proactive response that mature people understand. So this is what happens when we're dealing with, you know, prophetic side of ministry. These guys did that. They each thought, I'm going to do something. Now, jump down to chapter 12 here, verse number 1. It tells us that about that time, about the time when the church was spreading out in you know, Jerusalem, Antioch started spreading, about that time when, when prophets showed up on the scene here, Herod the king, this is Herod, King Agrippa, it says he stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Somebody say harass. Now, this is what I've discovered about prophetic things. That persecution often accompanies a prophetic word. Now, the harassment we're talking here is not like the harassment I endure with children. You know, I'm harassed by them because they won't sit down when I'm trying to watch football and I, they want to watch cartoons and we get in, they have to go in the basement. <laughs> or, you know, they're always jumping around making noises. Man, I mean, the harassment here is from the government. And this is King Herod Agrippa. And he, you know, he, he's, he just sensed in here that he's got to do something to, to kind of qualm this. I want to remind you that in the Bible, uh, 